the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Good to see you, Mr. Bill. Good to see you, David Dahl. Good to see you, Teresa. As discussed yesterday and is coming into fuller view today, given the timing and news cycle, what the Colorado Supreme Court decided yesterday was historic. Historic in its hysteria. Our court system was designed to cool and adjudge political tensions, decide violations of laws, and adjudge private injuries or torts. The judicial system was to, per Alexander Hamilton, constitute the least powerful of the branches of government. And it was decidedly erected to not decide political questions, but rather to be as apolitical as possible. Our court system was also presumed to take on monumentally unique or what are known as landmark decisions with an air of certain unanimity or authority. Finding a former president of the United States who is the leading candidate to be the next president of the United States ineligible to run for office in a state of the United States based on a unique and novel reading of the 14th Amendment propounded by two scholars nobody had ever heard of, finding the former president guilty of a crime he was never found guilty of, never mind charged with violating, by state judges who stand for retention elections on a four-to-three basis is authority and soundness Robert Jackson might call at its lowest ebb. My friend Ed Morrissey had it about as succinctly put as one could make this. He said, a state court has found Trump guilty of a federal crime with which he's never even been charged based on informal allegations of unlawful contact that took place 2,000 miles from the court's jurisdiction. And of course, the dramatic irony over all of this is the Colorado Supreme Court, or four members of it, are engaging in this disenfranchisement of the leading candidate for the presidency because they disapprove, rightfully, one should add. Of insurrections. Let us spend half a moment there because this is the gravamen of the Colorado judge's decision that an insurrectionist cannot become president. First and foremost, let us recall that insurrection is a crime, a federal crime found in Title 18 of the U.S. Code. Not a single court in the land has found Donald Trump guilty of insurrection until yesterday in Colorado. Not a single prosecutor in the land has charged Donald Trump with insurrection. What the Colorado Supreme Court did find was that a lower civil court found Donald Trump guilty of insurrection by clear and convincing evidence. That's important. Why? Because it's not a criminal standard of proof, and insurrection is a crime. And crimes require not a standard that one really thinks could be true, but, say it with me, the higher standard of beyond a reasonable doubt. It's not clear and convincing as a standard in criminal law. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. This criminal standard is likely why Donald Trump has never been indicted for insurrection. Insurrection for what? Overthrowing a government he was the head of? Can one insurrect one's own government? Insurrection for telling people on the day and speech in question to march peacefully and patriotically? 
The definite insurrection here meets neither a common sense test nor a common dictionary definition, never mind a criminally legal one. Then there's this other problem that is a clear admission that these four judges read read the New York Times and watch CNN more than they read case law or watch anything serious. Fifteen times in their decision, they refer to Donald Trump's efforts on January 6th to attempt to stop a peaceful transfer of power. For example, they write of his encouraging, quote, the mob's effort to try to stop the peaceful transfer of power, close quote, and use that language 14 more times. I want to scream like Charlie Brown on a baseball mound when I see this. January 6th, for the umpteenth time, was not a transfer of power day. It was not the day of swearing in. It was not the day of the inaugural. That is the transfer of power day. Weeks later, January 20th is transfer of power day. Not January 6th. January 6th was a vote counting day. And those vote counting days have been challenged by Democrats in 2001 and 2004. Nobody said it was an interference to question state votes those years on those days as Democrats did. Why? Go back five words, because that's what Democrats did. I almost want the Supreme Court to take this appeal up sua sponte and by a 9-0 vote overturn the Colorado Supreme Court with four words followed by an exclamation point and the word reversed. Those four words, what the actual hell? Four people who stand for election or retention in their positions as state court judges do not get to decide the vote of 3.8 million other voters in the state of Colorado. And they certainly don't get to do it with wildly novel and anfractious reasoning. On that last part, the reasoning, read the case. The majority goes through pains to get to where they need to go. Here's the tell here. A smarter court, understanding the stakes, understanding the role of the judiciary, would have easily found a way not to do this, as the trial or lower court did. They could have dismissed this appeal and let the lower court ruling stand on any number of ways, either with one sentence or through normal legal reasoning that did not rototill novel ground theory and reasoning. They clearly looked for a way and wanted to achieve this outcome, however, which raises this question. Who is breaking norms again? Who's the norm breaker? Who's the threat to the Constitution or democracy again? Who's engaging in voter suppression again? Who is disenfranchising and acting against all precedent in history to do so on the thinnest reeds of legal novelty? And who is against political violence again? You see how much mileage the Democrats got out of January 6th, out of 1,000 people nobody heard of, and how they plastered the entirety of the Republican Party with it, may have even had a hand in encouraging some of it. I believe they are trying to provoke violence here, too, through the enormity and elaborateness of their decision. As Governor Ronald Reagan scolded the media in 1967 for encouraging the violence on the campuses in California, someone needs to scold this entire strategy of disenfranchisement and perverted use of Civil War statutes that could foment protest. Courts are not and should not be in the aiding and abetting of political agitation. They are actually constituted to quell exactly that, not to foment, but to calm. But that is the Democratic Party just now, breaking all norms while claiming the other side's guilt. I don't know the way out. But the next time a Democrat says, just what kind of democracy do you think your party respects? 
when they don't like our policies, not our practices, but our policies. I think the right response is something like, we expect the democracy and the Republican form of government given to us by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, not the kind your party and movement has adopted from Honduras. It wasn't our team, may I remind, that used the FBI and CIA to suppress a major scandal the month before presidential election about one of the candidates the FBI and CIA preferred. It wasn't our team that invented and paid for a four-year narrative of Russian collusion. And it wasn't any of those who did any of that who got indicted. The victim got indicted. Quod licit jovi non licit bovi. What's good for the gods is not good for the swine or cattle. And the Democratic Party are the self-proclaimed gods, and we're their self-proclaimed, and we're their otherly proclaimed cattle and swine. For those who really want to see the original intent of the 14th Amendment under which this is all being analyzed and discussed, why not read John Bingham's speech to the House of Representatives on it? On it? He wrote the 14th Amendment, after all. And that once famous speech is where Mr. Bingham said, we are one country, one constitution, one people. One country, one constitution, one people. Yesterday's decision out of Colorado only constitutes the latest evidence that we are not. Quod licit jovi, non licit bovi. For that's what the court is creating here. Two different rules for two different people, for two different parties. Not one rule for both parties. That is the end of law. Laws are about single standards. That's why Lady Justice is blind. Here we have two different standards. And if you are a a Republican, you will be treated as the bovi. If you are a Democrat, you will be the jovi. It's no way to run a republic. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960, Shout out to young David here, who had his uh, first piece published today online Mm -hmm. at the Arizona Globe, arizonaglobe.com. And if you go to their uh, website, ArizonaGlobe.com, it's the featured article. It's the lead piece. And I don't it, even think I saw that. <laughs> yes. Well, keep me around. I'll teach you things, even about yourself. Banning assault weapons is not the answer. Why did you write this piece, young Well, David? as we mentioned on the show probably a week and a half ago now, uh, my mother was involved in the UNLV uh, school shooting that occurred on December 8th, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I felt compelled to write something as a response to that and Biden's lackluster response. It seems to me that he wanted to return the national argument to the 1990s. And upon really diving deep into it, as I did in the weekend following the shooting, I saw that uh, his response really is just repeating the same problems and the same solutions that are non-solutions, the same actions that have gotten us to where we are and where these actions are repeating themselves. To go back and to repeat what we did in 1994 will not solve the problems of 2024. One of the um, – I, I want people to go and read this, ArizonaGlobe.com. You can also get it from uh, David's or my Twitter's feed, 
Is that an English sentence? David's Twix. David's Twix feet or my Twix feet. That's how you say it. That would be English. Proper nouns used properly. Um, Because one of the things I wanted to say about David is, you know, it happens particularly with these these events that are considered mass, mass casualty events or mass shooting events, particularly... Unlike almost any other story, this this rush to get the story out and this rush that seems to be a rush to be wrong, no one can just sit on it a minute, you know? No one can just let the story develop a little bit, usually from the statements of law enforcement. And by the way, might I suggest that when you follow these things, the press conferences from the law enforcement are probably the single best way to get information about these events because they're undistilled and undistorted by the media. Now, the law enforcement don't always tell you everything, and sometimes there are law enforcement officials who won't tell you the truth. It does happen, believe it or not. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. But it is the single best way. But the thing I liked about what David did here was, unlike the president and unlike the media, Even with a blood relation involved in this tragedy, this tragic moment incident, he said, let's wait. Let's see what comes in. And within what, about two days? Was it a day maybe even a little more than a day maybe? We learned about who the shooter was. Unlike Joe Biden, we didn't stampede to talk about banning guns or weapons that were not involved in the shooting, Mm -hmm. right? Hence the title of your of your piece. And I, I just from your perspective as a young man of the media now, having crossed two mediums, print and radio, <laughs> print and voice, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, and television, because you were in the parade. <laughs> Please, you were on a news. You were on the news, televised I, news. You have the trifecta. I was, I you have crossed the trifecta. Extra number seven. <laughs> you have you have accomplished the trifecta. <laughs> Of media. Balloon holder. At at the young age of 19 or however old you are. How old are you? 24. 24. Um, What does it say to you about all this? I mean, the president stampedes on this. Well, within a matter of minutes. It might have even been less than hours. Biden uh, immediately called on congressional Republicans uh, to join with Democrats in banning assault weapons right after the incident. He came to Las Vegas three days later in what was a pre-scheduled meeting regarding an Amtrak, which will connect Los Angeles and Las Vegas for the 2026 Olympics. Mm -hmm. And at the conference, he went off script, as the president tends to do, and went into the same talking points that really he's been talking about for the past 30 years and saying, for God's sake, why don't people have to lock their guns up? And (coughs) he went on bizarre tangents equating firearm ownership to owning a car and just called on banning assault weapons. And again, it was odd at best because that was not the weapons which were used in the shooting. It was just a, a bizarre response and one that just followed habit without actually getting to the crux of the issue, which I think is uh, mental health in this country. Thank you for saying that. That's the one thing that never gets talked about. 
here's what will happen, and you can almost guarantee it every time. And maybe there was less of it this time because, thankfully, there was less bloodshed than than a lot of these incidents. But what you will get is one or two or three panelists on a cable TV show, possibly the Today Show, the next morning, usually with a psychology or a child psychology or a children's psychiatry degree or area of expertise, saying we need to have a conversation about mental health. We need to have a national conversation about mental health. You will usually get that. And then it disappears in the blink of an eye. And it disappears in the blink of an eye for two reasons. I don't know if they mean it. I don't know if this country wants to have that conversation. What I do know is it's not what the Democratic Party wants. And the Democratic Party runs the media. Or at least the ideology of the Democratic Party is, um, is, is the ideology of the media. They simply do not want to have that conversation because it distracts from what they really want to do, which is get the NRA, right? Yes, it seems to me that uh, President Biden is not really concerned with attacking the issue of mass shootings in, a, in America earnestly. He's concerned with uh, limiting firearm ownership, which I believe directly attacks the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Well, it is interesting, having spoken about breaking norms, how many norms the Democratic Party is interested in breaking. They're running pretty progressively fast in at least attenuating, if not trying to nullify constitutional norms when it comes to freedom of speech, or freedom of religion under the First Amendment, um, when it comes to the Second Amendment— the Third Amendment, not apl- as Charlie Kirk says, the Third Amendment, not that applicable yet. <laughs> not that applicable yet. But certainly the Fourth and Fifth, they're the ones who have been trying to rewrite them and read them out of the Constitution. Not us. You tell me what breaking of norm could be greater. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Well done, young David. Well done. Thanks. Welcome back to the... Excuse me. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth Leibson. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com, and he brings our culture and economy update. First, John, a little bit of a lecture you may need to give on patience, given where mm-hmm. the uh, markets ended up today. Do your, do your thing on patience. We could yes. all use some around this time of year anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, you know, market pulled back today, but, you know, the Dow was up nine straight sessions. Yep. Um, and I, I think this was uh, something that many believe was, was going to happen and thought it may even happen sooner than it did. So I think we got an extra day out of the, the push higher. Uh, and uh, as I said, you know, we've pretty much for the indexes gained back all of the losses that we had in 2022. And I was reading a few articles about the economy today and, Basically, looking at uh, we're back to these pre-pandemic levels with the economy, uh, and so things seem to be uh, somewhat on a reasonable track right now. At least for I'd say you know we got another quarter or two to look and see if the Fed's going to make any moves one way or another. Uh, but uh, the volatility index is down. Christmas is here. Maybe people are in good mood, good spirit, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Um- Thinking a little bit about the economy mm-hmm. uh, in a different sense, <clears throat> the policies that attach to making stronger and more attractive economies versus those that don't 
census report came out today, really interesting. Steve Moore was observing that uh, the migration, the net domestic migration by region, we're moving south. We're mm. moving to the south again. Um, um, yeah. Americans, uh, let, let me put it this way. In just the past year, the south gained 706,000 people, while the northeast lost 323,000. The west lost yeah. 297. Midwest lost 8,000. And um, you get a little bit of COVID policies being different there. You get mm-hmm. tax policies being different in the south and right. forced union rules. You can make an economy more attractive, and people will start to move, won't they? And we've seen that, I mean, all during COVID and, uh, you know, even prior to that. I mean, there, people have been, have been vacationing in the Florida region for many, many years, right, the people from the Northeast. And once all of these ridiculous restrictions uh, had gone in, got into place, uh, many people said, you know, that's it. Maybe they weren't quite ready uh, financially to make that move yet. But, um, you know, things have kind of gotten back maybe to where they were. People feel a little bit better about their finances and people maybe feel comfortable making a change. Companies are hiring down in those locations, as you mentioned. I think uh, there were three states. I forget the other uh, two. I glanced at this. Uh, oh, you did? But I, I, oh, yeah. I know fun. Florida was one of them, yeah. but uh, the other couple of states that are showing some real um, you know, population growth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida, Texas, North Carolina. There you go, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so um, this is, you know, not unusual to right. see, and uh, and I can certainly uh, see the reasoning, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, all of those, whether it comes to the policies of uh, taxes or uh, the restrictions that were put into place uh, for COVID, uh, businesses are are much easily uh, able to work down there because of uh, maybe some of the rules regarding employment. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of variables, uh, and people are smart, and uh, they're going to do what's in their best interest when it comes to their finances. Yeah. Steve Moore crunched it to 10 of the 11 states with the biggest losses are blue states with high taxes and forced mm-hmm. union rules. Yeah. I mean, And they don't have an ocean, some of them, sure either. <laughs> well, you know, that's right. <laughs> California lost almost 1.2 million people. Yeah, that's why I said some of them, yeah, right? Some of I mean, them. it's amazing because California is but even, just an, But even with that ocean, they lost yeah, a million, million. It's a beautiful state, but, you know, at some point, uh, the beauty uh, starts to fade as the policies start to, you know, uh, you know, yeah, and you can make <laughs> come, the state come to fruition. Yeah, and yeah. the streets are beautiful. Uh, the coastlines no, yeah. are beautiful yeah. if you can afford to live yeah. there. But if you're if if you're living uh, where there's yeah, no ocean, it's it's, it's a tough. Be- it's a even tough, the beaches uh, are pretty lousy these days. I should I should yeah. correct myself. Mm. If you've been to Venice yeah. lately or Santa Monica, no, I haven't, well, and, and I don't plan on going. Yeah, I don't and plan you're on not going. going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've I've you know the one area that I might go to from time to time. I go to Napa Valley. I do love it there. Well, different, yeah. Uh, you know, and I only go in for a day or two, and that's it, and I'm happy. So, well, you but uh, overall, uh, Seth, we've got you know year end. There's still time for people uh, to make contributions to those retirement accounts. These are, are certainly things that we're looking at for clients. Uh, if you're over specific ages, uh, you may have to have required withdrawals from your retirement accounts. Make sure that you took those this year because you could have a severe penalty if you haven't taken it yet. It needs to be done before December 31st. So. Make sure you check with your advisor or uh, with the firm that you're working with to make sure that you've uh, met all the criteria needed before the end of the year. Hey, John, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Seth, to you and the staff there and to everyone listening. Thank you so much for all of your, uh, you know, when you're listening out there and calling us to help you work through these 
important financial decisions. Well, God bless you. God bless. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Fenrir Tippett, an investment advisor, Grand King and Plenty Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Bless you. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Do you know the progeny, uh, the provenance of this song, young David? It was written by one Catherine Kennicott Davis in 1941, um, originally titled Carol of the Drum. And uh, the first time I ever heard it was in an old Dick Van Dyke show where they were doing. Do you, did you ever watch the old Dick Van Dyke show? The Black With Mary and Tyler one? Moore? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes. It's, uh, it's a great show. And um, Carl Reiner uh, produced it, Rob's dad. He also s- had a role in it. Um, he played Alan Brady, the Johnny Carson of his time. You know this show very well, Mr. Bill. And they did a Christmas special, a show within the show, kind of a Masinabim effect there, if you will. But um, they did a show within a show, and it was little – what was the boy's name? I don't, was it, it wasn't Little Ricky. That was – I love Lucy. Uh, little Richie. Little Richie. Richie was the boy. Yeah, I got it. And he does a version of it. If you pull it up, it's one of the most pure as the driven snow versions of any song you'll ever hear. You could pull it up. We'll find it. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I first noticed it. And uh, I've loved every version of it since. There's probably other Christmas songs that have more um, performers doing, you know, versions of it, covers of it. But that one's got to be up there. It's just got to be. Bob is in Phoenix. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the show, Bob. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Let me make one correction. I think Lucy Ricardo's son was named Ricky. Yes, you I think Randy. that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. So very good. Thank Can you. Can I give? Yeah, I get an A. You get an A. Yes. It's important you, you, that I get an A. Okay. Yeah. In the radio I GPA, to... I cannot be graded on a curve. Good. Did you... you... What I wanted to talk about was uh, electric car vehicles, and if we're going to have more of them and more electricity and we're, and, and no gasoline cars, where are we going to get the tax money to support uh, our roads to get them refixed and mass transportation? I, I, you know, I, I, know, I never hear anybody on the gasoline side bring that topic up. Can you tell me uh, what you think about it? Uh, not not much beyond what you what you have to say about it, Bob. I have talked about it uh, with mostly economists and energy experts uh, from time to time, and occasionally John Hinderocker over at Powerline. Uh, they're not selling well. Um, you look at some of these adventures uh, by uh, by GM, uh, and they're having to buy out um, their dealers' lots on these things. Uh, Tesla is cutting EV prices. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to be the future that everyone thinks they're going to be. I was shocked to learn this. Um, I was shocked to learn how much more prominent and prevalent they are in Southern California than I initially assumed. A lot of this is regional. But um, I, I, I don't have much more to say. It's, it's not about saving the environment. Uh, it's not going to do that. Um, it's not about putting less pressure on our energy and power grid. It's not going to do that. And then culturally, you know what? Americans like their cars. There's just something cultural about the American and the car. They like their automobiles. They like their cars. They're the symbols of freedom and independence. And they don't like being told what they can and cannot buy. 
and they don't like being forced to buy things they do not want, and they don't like cars. Some do, but some don't like cars that don't have an internal combustion engine. Oh, okay. Can I ask you one more thing? Yes. Okay, I was going to ask about what, what your reaction to the governor with our with the invasion coming into the southern into the border here in Arizona. Luke feels on television all the time. Yes. Why? You know, it's on television why? all the time. Didn't used to be. It didn't used to be. I think I was the second journalist, if I am a journalist, second person in the media uh, to um, to go down there. And uh, report on it, which I did, what, about three weeks ago, David? Maybe a month at the most. Before anyone else was except one lonely reporter from News Nation who was standing there all alone. We had her on and interviewed her. You can go back and hear the interview because what I saw was astonishing. I had some friends who know the area, and they go camping in the area and do some nonprofit work in the area. And they said, you've got to come see this. And I said, I've, I've been to the Yuma sector. I've, I've done, been talking about the border for years. I, I've been to the Yuma sector any number of times. He said, no, you need to come do this. <laughs> so we got up uh, before God and drove out there to see it, and I was glad we did. Uh, and we scolded the media. We said the media needs to get down here. This is monumentally different. These are young adult males, a lot of them primarily when we were there, West Africa, uh, I now see that there are Afghanistanis or Afghanis. What's the right terminology? Afghanistanis. I think it would be an Afghani. Is, you think it's an Afghani? Well, I'm we'll know in a sure. moment. We'll know in a moment. <laughs> well, no. Is it an Afghan? I think it's an Afghanistani. Like it's a Pakistani. What's an Afghani? A blanket. Yeah, but it's also a person. Or a dog. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, we'll find out. Meaning no disrespect, of course, but when you see the various and that these are young men primarily. Um, now, what Katie Hobbs did? Oh, what? It's an Afghan. An Afghan. That makes it even more hard to distinguish an between Afghani the blanket. Is the money? Yeah. There's also a blanket uh, called an Afghan. Yeah. 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 But you call a person from Afghanistan an Afghan? Uh, it, it's it's considered improper. It's considered improper. To what? To refer to someone as an Afghan. Okay, so not an Afghan. But it is what they are. It is the Afghan people what who is are the appropriate of Afghanistan. Res- what is the appropriate respectful way to call them? I don't know. Well, that was what the last Can 45 seconds trip? of you I'm babbling about was. I'm the fly from Wikipedia. Well, check your sources. Yeah, right. That's, yeah, exactly. Let's let's not be the first to be wrong, <laughs> as we were saying. Katie Hobbs ha- had no interest in the border during the election, and it is curious. Just in time for election year, she has found some kind of ability to give voice to it. Um, I don't have very high expectations of her ability to dispatch anything here, oh. because I don't know that the mission isn't a bit confused. I'm also not quite sure where the priority is. If you talk to some people about what's going on in Lukeville, the problem is that people from Mexico can't travel here for work and people here have a hard time going into Mexico legally. Um, I understand the complaint. It's not the major issue right now. In the triage of problems, commerce is not the issue. Commerce is not the issue. It may just have to wait a little bit. 
and for those who think it is the number one issue right now, given everything that's coming through, you know, maybe that's on Mexico a bit, too. And maybe it's not a Blame America First issue. We'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a secure investment that actually helps people and where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And guess what? It's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Tons of flexibility. You are in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There are no fees and Think of this peace of mind. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. You get a monthly statement with no surprises, of course, and it is a secure and collateralized portfolio. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. You can also visit them. They're based here locally, right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. No um, no sales pitches. Won't be asked to sign a thing. They leave all that Sales pitching up to me. And if you don't go there in person, again, check them out online. Investyrefi.com. Investyrefi.com. Yes, young David. <laughs> I feel obligated to uh, correct the record. Yeah, well, at least we do that. At least we're good about it. We, like America, hang our... What do we do, Bill? We hang our... We praying our... Yes, yes. We know the end of the sentence, but what is it? We hang our troubles, our problems, our deficits, our deficiencies in the window. America does it, and so too do we on this show. And by we, I mean David. Dirty laundry to dry. And by we, I mean David. Go ahead, sir. Oh, my goodness. All right. So it is the Pashtun people, which is the uh, ethnic group who. I'm not saying Pashtun when I mean Afghanistan. No, 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 no. no. They were the largest ethnic group in Afghanistan, and historically, the term Afghan referred to that specific people until the 70s, after which. It's really just become synonymous with anybody from Afghanistan. So we were like half true. What do we call them? If you were standing under Big Ben and I asked you (laughs) – if I asked you what time it was, you would tell me how a clock is made. Probably. Yeah. Probably. What do we call them? Whatever you want at this point. No, no. You can call them the Pashtuns. I didn't look it up. Call them the Afghans. People Call from Afghanistan, people Afghanistan have been found at our border. The ethnic groups of Afghanistan. Craig from Fiena- from Mesa writes, Merry Christmas, gentlemen. I've been enjoying the Christmas music selections you've been playing this holiday season. I've liked that you're not playing all the run-of-the-mill stuff. If I may, I have a Christmas song I would like to present. No pun intended. The group is the Surf Boys. Their musical contribution to Christmas posterity is named I Told Santa Claus I Want You. I think it's the glockenspiel in it. Not much cowbell but lots of glockenspiel. Enjoy. You guys are doing an exemplary job on a daily basis. Godspeed and bravo Zulu. He must be Navy. Means well done. I think it's a naval term. All right. A lot more coming up. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.